Hello and welcome to this Bioanalysis Zone podcast. I'm Alex Hyde, editor of Bioanalysis Zone, and today I'm delighted to be joined by Brendan Griffin. Brendan is a senior lecturer at University College Cork's School of Pharmacy, and today we're going to be discussing drug development, a little bit about candidate selection, and some of the challenges that he's encountered in the field. Hi Brendan, thank you very much for joining us here today. It's great to have you on the podcast. Could you first kick us off by introducing yourself and your research background? Hi, uh, my name is Brendan Griffin. I'm a senior lecturer in the School of Pharmacy, University College Cork. I'm also a project coordinator of a European-funded um, innovative training network, which involves nine partners from industry and academia. And our role is to work together to look at new ways of bringing products or medicines to the market more efficiently and f- for faster access to patients. So working with industry, working with regulatory partners and working with academic partners, our role is to look at strategies that we can streamline drug development so that it can be developed much more quickly and to reduce the costs associated with developing medicines, which, as you know, can be very expensive. In this process of streamlining drug development, what kind of methods and tools do you use to select the highest quality candidates? Yeah, I mean, when we're presented with an opportunity to develop a new drug product, one of the uh, most common tools that we use to develop new medicines is is to use computational or in silico predictive tools. So coming out of drug discovery, we like to be able to predict in advance which drug properties would be uh, the best candidates as, as oral medicines. So using computational tools to predict in advance. But in addition, we also need to do experimental testing. So we need to do in vitro testing, and in some cases we need to do uh, some testing in vivo to assess if the medicine is going to work effectively. So increasingly what we want to do is use in vitro methods that are predictive of, of the human performance. So use biopredictive or microphysiological, something that's very similar to the existing physiology. So the closer we get to using in vitro tests that reflect the human situation, the more likely that those that experimental results would be predictive of what happens when we ultimately trust them in clinical trials. In addition, we also have to do some, perhaps some in vivo studies, and using this data together, we can come up with a full package that gives us the confidence that we can go into phase one clinical trials. And in early stage development, what are the kind of challenges that you encounter most frequently? Yeah, I mean, one of the biggest challenges we face in early stage drug development is that we just, we're just on a journey learning about each new drug, and we don't have enough information at the early stage. But we can use and build databases from, from other drugs, and we can learn from, from the experiences of other drugs that went through drug development. So that's one of the, the short, the lack of information when we're at the very early stage of, of knowledge development is, is one of the big problems. Secondly, when we're developing new drugs, particularly med, oral medicines, one of the biggest challenges is that all the drugs that are coming out of drug discovery are increasingly are very poorly soluble. So if you have a poorly soluble drug, that presents you a challenge when you're trying to make a medicine out of that because ultimately poorly soluble drugs won't be absorbed. When you take them orally, they just pass through your system. So they won't be taken into your body or bioavailable. So what we've got to look at is look at strategies to be able to allow that to improve delivery or what we refer to as bioenabling, enhancing the bioavailability of these medicines. So one of the biggest challenges is to identify the right delivery system for these medicines. And that can be challenging in the very early stages of development. And we might have to do a series of testing in different formulation approaches to see if we can achieve that. So in terms of addressing these challenges that you mentioned, what kind of trends are you seeing in this field to improve developability? 
Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of trends emerging from the scientific literature, both from the industry perspective, the way industry are sharing this information so others can use, but also academic and working within the Perl network. We have the opportunity to work with industry partners and benchmark various techniques from different companies, but also we have the opportunity to work with regulatory agencies because ultimately the regulators are the ones who verify that whatever the testing that was done meets the requirements for safety. So working with industry, academia and quality, we can work together to see how we can build the right ways and put in the right information so that at the end uh, patients are protected and ensuring they're uh, getting a safe and effective medicine. So this is how the trends that we see. We need a lot more partnership between public and private partnerships and working with, with various groups. So the trends I see is that we need uh, companies working together so that we can all work to, to, to build institutions, universities. And this is what we're doing in Pearl, where we have a network of, of interested people with a common goal. Everybody wants to ensure the medicines get to, the, to patients as, as, as fast as possible but also by eliminating unnecessary testing and keeping costs low. So the key trends are to ensure that medicines are brought to the market as cheaply and as efficiently as possible. And lastly, to finish us off, on future outlook, where do you hope that this field might be in five to ten years' time? Ah, in the next five to ten years' time, I would like to think that the new science that's coming out in terms of predicting developability, in terms of predicting the right drug, uh, in the right formulation that can be manufactured correctly by industry and then the right medicine for the right patient. There are lots of variables in that. It has to be the right drug, it has to be correctly formulated, it has to be manufactured by industry and then we have to make sure it's right for the right patient. And in many cases that might mean an element of personalizing or individualizing that treatment. So I'd like to think that as we go forward and we're developing new medicines, we bring all of those together in an integrated fashion. That the companies that are developing these new drugs understand how to streamline that process, avoid unnecessary testing, and ultimately bring medicines to the market that are uh, right for the right patient, capturing all the various um, requirements for quality and safety and efficacy, and ensuring that patients are get the, the best product. Because at the end, everybody benefits when medicines are developed efficiently so that we don't waste uh, a, a very valuable R&D funding on failed drug candidates. So we spend all the money on the right resources. All of our decisions in development are scientific-based, and we manage the risks of failure. So ultimately, longer term, society gains in terms of cheaper medicines coming to the market and wider access of medicines for the general public then. Thank you so much for your time today, Brendan, and for some really insightful answers. Thank you to our audience for listening. Remember, you can find more resources, more podcasts, and all the latest content on www.bioanalysis-zone.com. Thank you.